our speaker this evening is Adiola Yemitan. And Adiola used to be on staff at HTB working on the prayer team. Um, she is an actor, a performer. She is a really significant key member of our HTB um, community. And tonight, Adiola is going to be exploring um, the theme of character. Um, if you have a question or a reflection or a comment um, that we can um, sort of use in the question and answer session that we're going to have like we did last week with Adiola afterwards for about 10 minutes after she's um, finished talking, we would love to hear that from you. So just, again, put that in the, in the comments and Q&A um, sort of tab. And again, if you want to, if you want to raise a hand, then please, please do to encourage Adiola while, while she's talking. Um, but Adiola, welcome. And we're going to hand over to you, hopefully. Yes. Thank you, guys. Hello, everybody. Um, it's nice to be present with you. And I've got the little participant thing up so I can see the raised hand. So if you want to like, if you want me to feel your presence, raise that hand. Love that. 13. Wow, it's just jumping. Love it. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> it is so nice to be invited to speak at Summer Nights. Um, I did it once two years ago and it's like the best thing ever. So I'm really excited to be here again. And I want to open with prayer. I'm gonna pray for this talk. I'm gonna pray for this heat because I don't wanna complain about it because apparently thunderstorms are coming. So let's just enjoy it whilst it's here. Um, so please do pray with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for this summer night, this very warm summer night that we have the opportunity to gather and to just get to know you more, to, to get to experience more of your presence, even as we are sitting remotely in our living rooms, in parks, in our bedrooms, Lord. I pray that your spirit would come and unite each and every single one of us today, Lord. Amen. So we are going to be talking about character, as Mark said, as we continue to follow the story of Joseph. And if you want a title, I have called this, How Am I Becoming? So if you want to turn to Genesis 39, um, I'm going to give you a bit of time to do that whilst I recap the story of Joseph up until this point. So Joseph is one of Jacob's 12 sons. He is the clear favorite. He even has this special coat so that everybody knows. And his brothers, obviously, do not like this. So one day he receives a vision and he thinks it's a sick idea to share this with them. So he has a vision that him and his brothers are out in the fields and they're binding grain and his grain stands upright whilst his brothers all bow and lean to, uh, all lean and bow to his. And so he's like, yeah, at one point in the future, you are all going to bow to me. Obviously his brothers don't like that, but he thinks it's an incredible idea to then share the second vision he receives with them and his father, which is that the sun and the moon and the 11 stars all bow to Joseph. Not a great idea to share that. Um, his brothers are not happy. And when they spot him in the field one day from afar, they plot to kill him. Um, but then they change their minds and decide to sell him off into slavery whilst stripping him of his coat, dipping it in blood and convincing his father that he's been killed by a wild animal. So his life has taken a drastic turn and we rejoin the story at this point. So I'm going to share my screen for those of you who can't, you don't have 
it open. So, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, doesn't work that out. Okay. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has brought to us, has, has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his, until his master came home. Then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you brought us came to, make, came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me, he burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But whilst Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of those held in the prison and he, made and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. And those background noises is what happens when it's a very sunny day. So I'm glad those children are having fun. So when we think about character, how do we define it? I got some very basic but very legitimate internet dictionary definitions. Number one, one of the attributes or features that make up and distinguish an individual. 
Number two, the complex of mental and ethical traits marking and often individualizing a person, group, or nation. Number three, the particular combination of qualities in a person or place that makes them different from others. So these are neither here nor there. So then what is good character? And these are three more definitions. Good character, if you say that someone has character, you mean that they have the ability to deal effectively with difficult, unpleasant or dangerous situations. Number two, the quality of being determined and able to deal with difficult situations. Or number three, moral excellence or firmness. So I think that sounds good. So when we talk about character, we are really talking about building good character. And to be honest, when I was asked to talk about character, as I began writing, I felt like a hypocrite. Like as the thoughts were kind of falling out my brain through my fingers and into my screen, they sort of took a sharp U-turn and were like, who are you to be talking about this? I mean, I personally do find it really hard to be consistent. I think there might be a bit of fear there and it's something that I'm very critical of myself about and I've had to learn to show myself more grace whilst, whilst I strengthen that muscle. Um, my tolerance for endurance isn't high when the goal isn't tangible and clear. And yet here I am, the irony. <laughs> For over two years, whenever I'm at the crossroads or feel the urge to doubt or complain, I sense God whisper, what do you want? And that whisper keeps me in check. That is God's way of reminding me that I have agency, that I have a stakehold in the way that my life goes. I am not passive and I must choose to respond well. He's giving me that fatherly nudge to build character. The Greek philosopher Heraclitus said, character is destiny. Your destiny doesn't just happen by some external force, you are a part of it. So the question I like to ask myself often is, who am I becoming? With every decision, who am I becoming? My character is being molded and my future is being formed. And I think this is incredibly important on a much larger scale in today's climate. As, institute, as institutions and communities continue to look at how to honestly address and weed out injustices that are deeply ingrained in our cultures, who are we as countries, workplaces, church communities and individuals becoming? How we respond to these things changes our character. We are never in neutral, we are always being formed, but more importantly, God gives us the agency to participate in that formation. Looking at Joseph, considering where he starts as the boastful, younger son, privileged, protected, maybe a little bit entitled, to being a slave sold into slavery by his own brothers, yet finding the ability to show integrity and take pride in the work that he's doing in his master's house and in the prison, we do see a growth in character. But how did that come about? So I'd like to have a go at defining character as being made up of two things, vision, and action. So last week, Ryan kicked us off perfectly by talking about vision. And I describe vision with the question, who am I becoming? What is God's plan for me? Even if that goal doesn't seem entirely clear, the goal for each of us, each and every single one of us, is to become more like Jesus, to live lives fully embodying our giftings and talents within our communities as though Jesus were living it. And then I like to describe action with the question, how am I becoming? The focus of our discussion today. 
what am I doing? What am I reading? Who am I seeing? What am I absorbing? And how am I doing those things day after day? Vision and action. Who am I becoming? And how am I becoming? Or my definition of character, which is your ability to carry out the how that leads to the who. Your ability to carry out the how that leads to the who. In order to build character effectively, you need to have clear vision, the who you are becoming and learn how to action it, the how you are becoming in the day to day. We are going to focus on the action, the how in three steps by looking at Joseph's story. So number one, your response to circumstance impacts how you are becoming. Your response to circumstance impacts how you are becoming. So when I first started driving, I actually got my license when I was 18, but didn't drive or really have a car until I was 24. So there was a big like six year gap where I didn't drive, hadn't been on motorways, hadn't done long distance driving. So in my mind, I was a baby driver. And so when I got my car, the first place that I happened to be driving to was HTB, but I was living in Croydon and that drive is about 50 minutes and I mean that's that's on a good day so 50 minutes on a good day ideal weather it's already long but fine I was willing to do it but the day I wanted to drive it was sleeting so heavily like it was the worst conditions for like a first-time driver to be driving in but I was intent on driving and so I just thought number one I don't want to die no one else on the road wants to die so they're going to have to work around me because I'm driving today. And so after, and then number two, if I can drive in these conditions, then I can drive in any conditions. Like I've gone from zero to 100. So I'm just going to do it. And so after having my mum anoint my court car with holy oil, because that's what she likes to do, um, I set off. It was a bit of an ordeal. Parallel parking is not my forte, but I successfully made it. And so I was like, great. I've done this in terrible weather. This is an achievement. And that was enough for me within that kind of very early time of driving. But then six days later, because of clashes in schedule, I was driving to an HTB youth weekend away. And I didn't, because my schedule didn't match up with other people's, I ended up having to drive on my own. And I remember speaking to a lot of people about it and they were like, oh, driving on the motorway for the first time on your own, that's a bit risky. You should take a partner who can go with you. Um, but then at 11 p.m., the night before I was supposed to go, and I think I was maybe going to back out, actually, um, I spoke to my mum and she was like, you're covered with the blood of Jesus and also take a sat-nav. And after that, I said, OK, well, according to my mum, it's time to go. So I went and it was perfectly fine. And actually, the drive there was far easier than the drive back because on the drive back, I had a passenger who actually screamed when I accidentally missed my exit on the roundabout. So you know what? It was far easier when I went by myself, but I could have seen the sleet in the first place and thought I'll wait till a sunny day when the conditions are ideal or on the motorway. I could have thought I'd rather, much rather wait to go on the motorway when I have someone. So I'll just take the train this one time and wait for the next opportunity. But thanks to my mother's fiery faith, both times, actually, I did not. In spite of the circumstances, I pushed on and my confidence as a driver actually increased far quicker than I expected. Your response in adverse circumstances is prime time for building character. 
It's a moment for potential exponential growth. Joseph was enslaved. By this point in the story, he'd probably been enslaved for about 11 years. So imagine actually just missing a whole decade of your life through no direct fault of your own, because being boastful and a bit annoying isn't a strong enough justification. And yet it says, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in, the eye, in his eyes and became his attendant. Joseph actually thrived in slavery. He gained trust and respect and learned responsibility in this time. Something occurred during these 11 years that transformed him from this boastful young man into one of integrity. He would have been well within his right to sit and sulk, to rage against the unjust nature of a situation and to probably grow bitter. But instead, within the space of these 11 years, he developed perspective that allowed him to not only survive, but thrive. The Egyptians that eventually benefited from Joseph's ability to not be crushed by his circumstances probably had no idea of, about the struggle that he'd had to go through in order to be able to turn around and serve them when he was in need, when they were in need. And when I think about this in current day terms, I thought, okay, what is a really large scale good example of this? And I kind of instantly think about much of the music that we enjoy today that has been heavily influenced by a proudly American sound that actually takes its root in culture created by black Americans. Think of artists that you love, that you like, that you like to boogie to or cry to, um, Bruno Mars, Adele, Justin Bieber, just throwing those out there, you know, take your pick. The creation of the culture that it's rooted in is inextricably linked to a historical pain that we globally, as recipients of their innovation and creativity in the midst of deep oppression, rarely consider. Black Americans born into slavery did not bow to their circumstances. In fact, in spite of their circumstances, the content and energy of their music is filled with possibility and struggle and hope and confidence and freedom. They relentlessly embodied qualities that the world around them was not willing to give them. And that energy is attractive to people of all races and experiences across time. It is outrageous and sad and beautiful. And today we are constantly benefiting from people's ability to dig their heels in and thrive under unjust circumstances. When is the last time that you've had to persevere under unfair or unjust circumstances? At work with your boss or a colleague or at school? or at home, particularly during lockdown, where, which might have inflamed uncomfortable family dynamics. Jesus wants to give you the confidence and courage to not collapse into trials and to break negative cycles of behavior. I believe he wants to help us to leverage our trials and move through them. As people formed in the image of God with a vision to become like Jesus, we can take confidence in Romans 8 verse 29 that says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Jesus, the man known for his commitment to, to the gospel in the midst of relentless resistance, he is our blueprint. 
when all else is blurry or unclear or difficult, Jesus is our vision. He's our anchor and our aim. So your response to circumstance impacts how you are becoming and your integrity, number two, your integrity in relationships impacts how you are becoming. Your integrity in relationships impacts how you are becoming. Verse seven to eight says, now Joseph was well built and handsome. That means something saucy is about to happen. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. Though Joseph was a slave, he could see the privilege in his position. He had been given responsibility. He had been entrusted with the contents of someone's life. To be trusted is a privilege. To be in relationship with people and have a stakehold in their hearts, their lives, their work, that is a place of privilege. To have integrity in relationship is to have an awareness of where you have been given trust, where you have been placed in a position of authority, of privilege, and carrying it with humility and love. We are in relationship with people, human beings, which sounds obvious, so let me rephrase it as, you are in relationship with other image bearers of God. That is exciting, but also comes with responsibility. I understand all too well how hard that is to carry out in every situation because it is not transactional. It is not even or fair. Jesus, Joseph, Joseph is a slave. He has been bought and sold. His humanity has been disregarded. He has been objectified. And yet Joseph had perspective and a healthy respect for the role he had been given. He understood the weight of his position and he was not willing to commit a morally corrupt act, even if it could, be, could have been kept a secret. He saw overstepping his boundary as not just, an, just offensive to his master, but in his words, as a sin against God. Our relationships matter to God. The way we treat our friends, our partners, our parents, our siblings, the way we treat our co-workers, employees and bosses, the way that we approach or avoid conflict, the way that we work to build deep, trusting relationships, or stay in the shallow end because we're flaky when it comes to being present or avoidant in difficult situations or constantly on the move, hopping from re relationship to relationship, whether that's platonic or romantic or job to job because you're not willing to stick it out and allow the responsibility that comes with commitment that can mold you. God doesn't ask for perfection. Joseph was not perfect, but he is a good example of growth. And I believe God loves us and wants us to have health in all areas. And the way that we relate to people impacts heavily on our souls, on our sense of self and our, our ability to enjoy life in his family. Joseph was a slave, but in showing himself to be reliable, he found a sense of freedom in his position. On the other hand, Joseph's brothers were free but as we'll see when we read on in weeks to come, they are slaves to their secrets, shame and guilt. Potiphar's wife abuses her place of privilege and in embarrassment, she seeks to crush someone who was already at a disadvantage. She leverages her privilege to avoid having to take responsibility for her actions. 
her lack of character impacts the people around her and not just Joseph because it is said that the punishment for rape in that time would have been death. So the fact that Joseph was thrown into prison could suggest that there were doubts about the validity of her claims. The decision to lie brings with it consequences of guilt and mistrust in relationship. When I was seven, um, I had a birthday party. I used to have a birthday party like every single year. Um, and there was, there was this one girl called Faith who at the time I did not like um, and I didn't want her to come to my party but she showed up um, and I remember seeing her come through the corridor parties buzzing around me and I see her walk through with her gift and she hands me my gift and I say to her word for word I remember it so well I say to her thank you even though I didn't want you to come to my party so I tell you this story not to encourage you to go around confronting people like that, but there is something about a child's ability to vocalize grievances and move past it, because we had many playdates after that, um, versus the adult, awkward, superficial niceties born out of unspoken offenses that lead to bitterness, gossip, and like insidious mistreatment. We lose our integrity. Honesty in love is a necessary part of relationships. Like I said earlier, this is not about perfection. I don't want to encourage anyone towards presentational integrity, this kind of shiny facade of amazingness. But what I do want to encourage us towards is love and respect for everyone's humanity, even those who aren't lovely back, because Jesus did it first. So your integrity in relationships impacts how you are becoming. And lastly, Number three, your commitment to consistency impacts how you are becoming. Your commitment to consistency impacts how you are becoming. Verse 10 says, and though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. Character is not something that happens suddenly. You don't plan to do it tomorrow or rely on past good experiences and good decisions to reassure yourself that you're, you know, you're still on track. Character happens in the present. It's the sum of your day-to-day -day behaviors. Every moment you make choices that form your character for better or worse. Consistency is difficult. It can be tiring. It can be like when I decided to take up running during lockdown, but my soul isn't really a fan of routine. Like I like novelty. And so every so often I'd end up taking like a month gap because I was bored. Um, but reversibility is real. And getting back in the game was always way harder than when I started in the first place. For anything worthwhile, there is rarely, if ever, there's, there's never a shortcut. And this is why clarity of vision is important. It's easy to get worn down when you lose sight of why you're doing what you're doing, when the goal isn't clear. The truth is, when I exercise, I don't set goals because then I have to achieve them. And failure is a thing that I'm still grappling with. Yes, awful. And it's that same lack of vision that makes it way too easy for me to wake up for the in the morning for my run, look at the sky and say, no. I have free will and I'm not doing it today. I know, terrible. But Joseph 
over 11 years prior to this moment with Potiphar's wife had been given vision by God. And I reckon he held that dear and he used that to, he used that to help him act with integrity in the moment. God gives us personal vision, but he also gives us the blueprint of Jesus who navigated life as a man on this earth. And Jesus gives us the most important commandments in Matthew 22. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. How are you loving God with your day-to-day -day decisions? How are you loving your communities, the people around you? How do you engage with them on a day-to-day -day basis? Does your patience run short with some people? How is your character being formed every time you interact with those people you find difficult? Are the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control being given opportunity to blossom? Or do you feel yourself becoming impatient, intolerant, judgmental, lacking in compassion? I don't think anyone decides to become these things because it doesn't feel good. But the decisions you make moment to moment, day to day, will mold you for better or worse. But the beauty of the day to day journey is that you get to do it with God. Genesis 39 says in verse two that the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. 21 says, but the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. And 23 says the warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Every morning when I wake up and don't want to go for that run, I can say, Jesus, I don't want to go for this run, but help me refocus my vision because vision reframes your trials. The position that Joseph held in Potiphar's house as a slave was a glimpse of his future as second in command to the Pharaoh of Egypt. I go for a run, I feel the pain, but as soon as I reach the end, I feel the short burst of relief, of health, of growth, and it is a glimpse of the super fit human I will one day be. The way that you choose to respond to each moment is a potential glimpse of the person you are becoming. Vision for who you are becoming encourages perseverance in difficult circumstances. It reminds you to hold the relationships in your life with respect, love and integrity. And it directs the decisions you make moment to moment, day after day. In other words, Clarity on the who motivates the how, which produces character. Like Romans 5 verse 3 to 5 says, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. As I was preparing this last night, I felt that 
I had a sense that God wants people here to feel hopeful about their futures today. I think he wants you to feel hopeful about your life, about your body, about every trait that he has filled you with. And he wants to bring healing to areas of your life and your character that you believe have been irreparably corrupted. Nothing is impossible with God. And in spite of the uncertainty in the world today, in spite of the pandemic, I think God wants to cut through and oppose this anxiety in order to bring you hope today and day after day. So if that resonates with you, I am going to close with a prayer and everyone else, I'd love it if you would join with your brothers and sisters to pray with me now. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love us. Thank you for the hope that you promise us, Lord that nothing is irreparably broken with you. That when we look at you, Lord Jesus, we can have hope. I pray that you would fill everyone here with your Holy Spirit this evening. Fill people with a renewed sense of hope. Thank you that you are God Almighty, you are the healer. And we pray for your healing right now, today. Amen.